got a Bible nearby, let's go to Luke chapter 12. Before I went on the trip to Asia, I uh, was on a beach retreat for our college ministry, kind of a yay finals is over with kind of deal. And uh, just say this, the uh, highlight of, of the week, I think, was... Uh, we baptized somebody in the Gulf. Uh, his name is Yi. You might know him or whatever. You want to stand up? Yeah. Okay. Yi, um, you can have a seat. You might know him as the prom king of the uh, uh, beach prom that went down. Uh, but um, we started talking, and um, he said he wanted to be baptized, and we talked about doing that here or doing that there, and he um, just definitely felt like that was the place to do it with all those folks, and so we had our biggest group in years to go on that deal, and so we just got out in the ocean and caused the scene and all that stuff, and it was fun, and uh, it was great. Um, one of the nights on the beach trip, I um, we do kind of Bible studies at night, and we always do something where we just just ask whatever you want kind of deal. Uh, not that me or Meg, not that we're like registered theologians or anything, but uh, you still have a lot of opportunities where it's like, hey, I've always wondered, you know, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? Uh, and so you don't have a lot of opportunity to ask that normally. That wasn't one of the questions, but it would have been a good one. I have a good answer for it. Uh, I don't really. Uh, but, um, you know, it's, you just don't have a lot of chances to do that, so we always have one night where it's just like, what, what do you want to talk about? And it always goes really interesting places. Uh, and, um, you know, the other nights, we just kind of just bring to the table things that are on our hearts. And there, I listened to this sermon that came out of this text, and just really uh, it meant a lot to me and just felt like it was a good one for students and college students at that point in life and stuff. So I thought that uh, one night we talked about this text, and another night we talked about Psalm 37 and delighting in the Lord and stuff. And I thought, going through Psalm 37, I was like, this... The Lord's preparing me, like, this is going to be my, like, while I'm in Asia text, you know. And because uh, that's kind of a pattern that God kind of has with me. The times in Mexico, time in India and stuff, there's been, like, one text I just can't get away from. And so I thought it was Psalm 37 because it talks all about, you know, evildoers and stuff and how, like, they're going to, like, they'll fade and all this stuff. And I just really thought, like, that's what it's going to be. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't that one. I mean, it was that one to an extent for me, but I, it was this one too for some reason, this passage in Luke. And, uh, and when we talked about it there at, at, on the beach trip, it was a lot about worry and anxiety. And I know that Joel, um, that Sunday, he spoke, and that's what he talked about and even used this text from what I understand. And, uh, and so um, that's what we talked about there at the beach. But then when I was in Asia, I was like, why can't I get away from this? What is it all about? Uh, why, is it, why is this text? Like, I'm not in Asia sitting here. I'm not, there's no anxiety in me. You know, I'm not worried about safety. I'm not worried about whatever. I kept going back to it. And, and eventually the Lord was like, this is on your heart, one, because I want to grab a hold of you from this passage uh, from a different angle than what I've used it for in the past. And also just felt like coming back here for this Sunday that this was, it was for us too. Because um, I don't want to, 
I'm, I don't get up here to bring you what I learned in my quiet time. Like, I think that's totally lame. Uh, I think that God has, like, a word for us on Sundays. I know Kyle brought a word, and Joel brought a word, and all the guys, like, everybody that comes up here, they're bringing something that the Lord has given for this group on this occasion and stuff. So um, I'm not up here bringing to you just stuff I learned in Asia. Um, this, is also, this is predominantly things that I feel like the Lord brought out uh, in me, yes, but also for us as, as a church body or whatever. Um, so in Luke 12, uh, starting in verse 22, this passage that deals with anxiety and worry, and the Lord uses that passage to, um, to minister and to care for a lot of souls, and he has for a long, long time. Um, but that, we're not here to talk about that tonight. Uh, you can listen to Joel's podcast if you want to know um, the sermon that I listened to was from a, another pastor, and he went through there, and it was all, all about anxiety and worry, and it was tremendous. And so if that's something that you feel like you'd be beneficial in, like, in listening to, I'll, I'll send you the link. I'll point you in the right direction, and you can, can uh, just kind of let, that, let the Lord take care of you that way. Um, but let's, let's look at this passage, and be real careful not to dismiss it just because you have heard it a bunch. Um, So verse 22, he says, And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? If then you're not able to do a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do you not seek... And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom. These things will be added to you. Um, That last verse, seek his kingdom, um, that to me is, is is quite a command. You know, it seems like something that's so, uh, it sounds so good on paper, you know. You're seeking the kingdom. How do you apply this? You seek the kingdom. And there's, I think, a lot of assumptions that everybody knows what that means. And I think a lot of us would be like, I, I think I know maybe, kind of. I can take a stab at it, but I don't know definitively that this is what it means. And I think one of the great themes of this passage, yes, it deals with anxiety. Yes, it deals with worry. But it also deals with this. Um, quit wasting your time being so concerned with things that do not matter. Being so concerned with things that have no eternal significance, that have nothing to do with the kingdom. I think Jesus is also saying, look, look at your life and look, look how much is being wasted on stuff that doesn't matter. 
I think and that's not that's not an indictment against our church. It's not this is not my like overcorrection from coming back from Asia, you know, because a lot of people when you come back from uh, difficult places, you come back to the states and they have this like I hate America vibe that they kind of go through, you know. We're so spoiled and we have so much and other people have so little and all that kind of, I'm not I'm not overcorrecting there. I've I've been down that that road and uh, you experience a little bit of that when you come back. But I, th- I think honestly, the older you get, just the less you swing so back and forth so much, you know. And um, I think going into that, I knew I don't want to come back and hate my country or hate my city or hate my life, you know, uh, because that's not that's not the gospel, you know, or whatever. But um, it's not like wasting our time on things that don't matter. It's not this big indictment against our our church. Um, I I don't think it's an indictment at all. I think it's a it's this like punch in the gut challenge about seeking the kingdom above everything else and not wasting so much of our lives and our time and our resources and ourselves being consumed and concerned and worried and anxious about things that just don't matter at all. So I think one of the great takeaways from a text like this has to be for each one of us to, to look at our lives and say, okay, what does, what does seek his kingdom mean for my life? Because we fall in this trap real easily of, of like comparison, you know. It's tough when you, you hear this story about when we were this age, we felt the call, so we took our young ones and packed up and moved to Korea and learned the language and fell in love with the people and have stayed here. We raised our kids in Korea and all this kind of stuff. It's, it's hard to hear those kinds of stories or to hear um, somebody say, I'm pretty, pretty aware that this doing what I'm doing in ministry to like Koreans is probably going to get me killed at some point. But I'm fine with that. You hear those stories and you... You read books and you read blogs and you hear about these missionaries and all this stuff that, or whatever. And then even you hear people even in the United States about them like packing up their stuff, selling most of their stuff, moving to a rough part of town to minister to the neighborhood. And you hear all these things, and, and that trap of comparison kicks in so easily because you're like, wow, that person is sold out. You know, that person is radical in their faith. That, that's tr- tremendous. And we end up comparing ourselves and we're like, okay. Well, because I'm not doing those kinds of, of things, then I'm, I must be like, not as saved you know, or not as obedient or God must somehow be disappointed with like, how I've turned out and all this kind of stuff. It's such a natural leap. And we say, those people, that's what seeking the kingdom means. It's going and doing something like extreme like that. Because I'm not doing something extreme, I must not be seeking the kingdom. I think that is a like, from the devil lie that he brings into the church. And if, if we get in that comparison game, we're buying into the lie that you're not as good as, as them and God's disappointed in you and all that kind of stuff. Because the reality is, seek his kingdom is going to look different for every person in this room and every Christian on this planet. It's going to look different. 
what you have to do, what I have to do, is, is come before the Lord and say, what does seeking the kingdom look like for me? Now, having said that it's going to be different for everybody, I think there are some, some um, common things that we can find in this passage that will kind of help us understand what that means. Because seeking the kingdom is not all about, like, it's not all about action. It begins with heart. It begins with mind. It begins with a, like a paradigm shift in how we look at life. Because that's like one of the great things about the kingdom. Jesus comes and he's like, repent for the kingdom is near. The kingdom is at hand. He's, he's saying like, okay, you were, you were born into the kingdom of this world. You're born into, into sin, but you're born into thinking about thinking certain ways, processing things certain ways, um, making decisions in certain ways. They're just That's what you were born into. And he's like, I'm about to, to make something available to you that was not available to you before. So part of crossing over from death into life is, is going over from the kingdom of the world mindset and heart set and understanding of things into a kingdom of heaven mindset and heart set. And so we're, we're, this is another aspect of, of trying to shake loose of old ways of, of, of seeing things and by stepping into this new um, like reality that Jesus has made possible for us. And so seeking the kingdom is figuring out, okay, laying that aside, the old self, looking at my new self, how am I, how am I supposed to do that? Let's just walk through this. Um, there are more than six in here, you could probably find 600 things about the kingdom in this one text. Might be a little high, I'm just estimating. But I'm just only going to do six um, because I'm going to. The first one. The first word that Jesus says in verse 22, according to the red letter edition, is therefore. And um, you, if you grew up in church, you probably heard the preacher say, whenever you see therefore, you have to ask yourself what? What's it there for? And as cheesy as that is, it, that is like, it, it taught me a really great biblical habit that whenever I see the word therefore, it's connected to whatever came ahead of it. So if I want to understand what's about to come, I have to understand what's been ahead of it because he's saying in light of all that, then he says this. So let's back up just a little bit. Look at verse uh, 16. Um, verse 16. He's um, telling this parable. It says, and he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man uh, produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. He said, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and my goods. And here's is the key to it. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. So relax, eat, drink, be merry. God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Okay? So when Jesus says, therefore, don't be anxious about your life, um, saying in light of that parable, in light of the fact that um, here's this guy that, was, that acquired all this stuff, and his connection... His sole connection to his stuff was that he should be able to find rest and security and contentment in what he had earned. He says that's a foolish way of looking at life. That is, an, and that is a kingdom of the world. 
idea. That soul connection to our possessions. Jesus is saying, see, then the, the guy dies. And the things his soul was connected to, he's now separated from him. And now he's standing before the Lord, and what does he have to show for himself? Nothing. And so I think the first thing, when it comes to seeking the kingdom, I think the first thing that looks like is a recognition that it's about, it's about the soul and not about anything else. And in that parable, it's possessions. You can say, it's not about possessions, it's about your soul. But really, possessions, that could just be a blank in the sentence so you could fill it in with whatever, especially in our, in our culture. Fill in whatever you want. Money or possessions or status or a certain job or like marriage or kids or whatever. Like it's, it's not about that stuff. It's about souls. That's... Seeking the kingdom is going to have that in mind. So when you ask yourself, what does seek the kingdom look like in, in my life? One thing it's going to look like is it's going to be about souls and not about all the other stuff. That's the paradigm shift for us. And so this is not just something against materialism. A part of what Jesus is saying is you know, like stop being so anxious about these things that don't matter because you're going to die. And you can't take it with you. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Now, I'm not saying at all that that means you should never have anything. If you do have something, it needs to be the worst possible form of that that you can, can get. And we should all sell all our stuff and, like, I'll go find a Breck Park that's not monitored very well and I'll go live in the back of the park. But there are some people who, that's the overcorrection they think, okay, so that means I can't. That means possessions are bad. So no, no, possessions are not bad. Your attachment to possessions can be bad. Your attachment to money or to jobs or to whatever. Jesus is saying, like, think, think in terms of what's going to matter in eternity. Just, just your soul, and not just your soul, but the souls of the people around you. And so the application of this actually grows. So it's not about. That stuff, it's about souls. So you, like, in the seek the kingdom mindset, that's how, like, that infiltrates everything in life. Like, like thinking about the kingdom that way, it's like, it's like a sponge. It, it soaks, like, totally soaks up everything in every aspect of life. And so when you start thinking it's not about, it's just about souls, it's just about souls, then you apply that to your work environment. And so that's when you go from being a, person who does nothing but gripe about how much they hate their job, which I know none of you do that, so I'm not. Only complain all the time about how much you hate your job, and you realize that God has put you in that job because of souls around you. See, that's, that's seeking the kingdom. Kingdom of the world... I hate the tasks that I get paid money for. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. I love the people that he has placed me working alongside. That's very different. When you seek the kingdom, it becomes about people. Now, I understand this. Having to work is like 
part of the fall of man. So it is because of sin that you and I have to work. So we should hate it a little bit. It should be a reminder all the time that this world is broken and Jesus came to fix it. But let me put it to you like this. Let me get a little, a little too personal with our church. Some of our college students um, have told us that, I'll paraphrase, graduating kind of isn't something they look forward to that much because adults in their own church keep telling them how terrible it is in the real world. And first of all, stop saying that. Stop it. I, I think that there's two groups of people uh, as adults that say that very thing. One group has kind of a Billy Madison approach to it, you know, of like, soak up every moment of being in college because it's awesome. I think that's their heart behind it. As long as you can, don't ever leave. And they're shaking you, you know. And then there are other people who I think have not learned how to seek the kingdom in being an adult yet. And they're still kind of over here. Now, we're all in process, all right? So I'm not trying to point the finger or beat anybody up, but God's trying to bring us from kingdom of the world to kingdom of heaven and and approach to, to work and stuff like that. And so I understand that that's something in flux. Please stop saying dumb things to our college students. Just please, leave that to me. Leave that to me. But we're, we're all trying to figure that out. So college students, as adults tell you that, please know the majority of the heart is that we just want you to just soak it up. Because you can't go back to it. And you don't want to have, so many of us have regrets from college, and we just don't want you to walk in it. We're just not always so good at telling you that. Um, but seeking the kingdom, and realizing that it's about souls, it begins to, it, your, your work environment soaks it up, and you start to love the people and be like, okay, if I have to do these goofy tasks or things that I can't stand or whatever, in order to work with these souls, I'll do it. It, it soaks up how you spend money. You know? Realizing that, that it's, it's about souls. And so, so, yeah, we work hard and we save and stuff like that, but it's about soul care. And so, um, you're, let's say that you're a, you're a parent, then you need to work so you can pay bills, so your kids can grow up in an environment where you can care for their souls. That's a good thing. To have that security that's there for kids to grow up in an environment where they feel safe and loved, and all that's, that's caring for their souls. That's good. And so you kind of start to look at things differently that way. Even down to like, like playing like t-ball and soccer and stuff like that. That's about souls as well. Yeah, it's about your kids being active and adapting well socially and that kind of stuff and about like getting them really tired on a Tuesday so they go to bed. Like I get that. That's, that's awesome. But it's also about souls because those kids all have parents that you get to hang out with that maybe you wouldn't normally hang out with them. And you get to build those relationships and you get to build a relationship with your kid by affirming them and all that kind of stuff. And there's just there's so much soul care that goes on with it. That's seek the kingdom. Is What does this look like in my life? How many, how many different relational connections has God given me? Every one of those is a soul care deal. Regardless of what the environment is. All of it. Work. 
money, um, parenting stuff, relationships. Everything about it is about soul care. It's not about the other stuff. It's just about souls. It's about your soul. It's about the souls around you. So seeking the kingdom, while it will, the details will be different for, for all of us, across the board, it's going to be a realization of what life is about. Okay? The other ones will go faster than that one. I promise. The second one. Um, verse 23. It says, For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. about more than food, about more than clothing. I don't think Jesus is saying like, so don't, you know, doesn't matter what you eat, doesn't matter what you wear, all that kind of stuff. And I don't think the overcorrection was also to be like, um, eating well is bad, uh, you know, being like super into like fashion, all this kind of stuff is bad, all that kind of, it's, it's not about that, it's not about like, that's way too much to pay for a steak. It's not that, you know, it's not no, that kind of stuff. That's, that's the overcorrection. That's the wrong application of, of that. Because all those things, too, can lead to soul care. I mean, Maddie Babb is doing an internship in San Francisco. And it's all fashion-based. It's all this, you know, kind of stuff, whatever. But she's making connections with people's souls. Like, it's missional. It's, a, it's about that, you know. But here, uh, I think the application point for this one is that it's, he's saying it's not about food. It's not about clothing. What it is, it's about God caring for your life. That as we seek the kingdom of God, there's, there's going to be this aspect of, like, God takes care of me. He tends to me. He uses me to tend to people's souls. He says, look, you worry about this, their souls. You worry about their hearts. You worry about the, the lies they believe about me. You, you worry about... Um, like caring for them as they go through difficult times. You get to know them. You connect with them. You invest in those souls. You let me worry about food and clothing and all this kind of stuff. Let me take care of all this other stuff. So, and then let me use you to really focus on what's important. And they go together. And so it's about souls. And so God's like, look, I'm going to free you up to be able to take care of people. Let me provide this other stuff. Let me care for you. So let me provide a job. Through that job, you'll take care of eating and wearing clothes and stuff. Or let me provide generous people to help meet those needs as well. I think the generosity of others is provision from God just as much as a job is. And sometimes we just have to have the humility to let people help us. Um, God's saying, let me take care of this other stuff. And you, you worry about that. About letting God care for you. Let's look at verse 30. And he talks about the birds and the flowers and stuff. Verse 30 says, For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. He knows. So he goes to the comparisons. Like, look at ravens. You know, ravens are like disgusting birds. You know, and um, he's like, if he's going to feed a nasty bird, I think you're fine. Image bearer, not image bearer. He's going to take care of a bird. He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of a flower, which they, they have a very short shelf life. He's going to take care of a flower that's meaningless, really, in a lot of ways. They don't just think he'd take care of you, child. Say, look, the nations of the world worry about this stuff, and your father already knows that you need it. 
Just let him take care of you. Seeking the kingdom is going to have that as a part of it as well. Because sometimes as you seek the kingdom, that's, it's going to, he's going to call you to obey him in some ways that you maybe aren't comfortable, and it's going to bring up all these other concerns. What about this? What about this? What about this? And every one of them is saying, I know you need that. I know you need that. I know you need that. He's just, just batting them down left and right. Let me care for you. Seeking the kingdom is going to require us to be, like, just to rest in that. Okay? The next one. Um, look at verse 31. Your father knows that you need these things. Verse 31 says, Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. The word instead basically tells us that this is going to be like an intentional choice. Just don't seek all this stuff. Instead of that, seek this. That's going to require us to like cowboy up and like do something. Say, I'm going to seek the kingdom of God in in my finances, in my marriage, in my friendships, you know, and in, in, in how all that kind of stuff. I'm going to instead of seeking everything that the world is seeking, I'm going, to, I'm going to seek the kingdom. And how does the kingdom impact those areas of life? It's intentional. You don't stumble backwards and fall into that. You say no to the old and yes to the new. No to the kingdom of the world and yes to the kingdom of heaven. And so know this, as you're seeking and as I'm seeking, what is the kingdom? what does it mean to seek the kingdom in my life? There's going to come a deciding point where you're going to have to go one way or the other. And so if you think it's just it's not going to require that that moment, it's you're you're wrong. It's going to. And that's how God designed it, which means that it's perfect and for our good and for his glory and so it's going to be fine. That's really important. Verse 32. This is the fourth one. We didn't read this verse yet. It says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. My favorite verses in the whole Bible. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The fourth one is, is about fear. Um, that sermon that I listened to that went through this text that was so good, it talked about how uh, fear in the mind produces anxiety in the body. You can trace your anxieties back to things that you are terrified about. Seeking the kingdom is, is going to force us to deal with some of those fears. But the, the thing is, um, if we seek the kingdom and we lose sight of the king, you're going to be terrified can't seek the kingdom and forget the character of the king. I know like we don't understand kingdoms a lot being in America, but we've all seen movies about kings. We've all read history. You can look around the, the political world right now. And places where they have like just truly um, sinful presidents kings, however you want to look at it. The conditions of those countries, terrible. 
The character of the king determines what it's like to live in the kingdom. And so our king is uncreated and doesn't need anything and it's completely fully present in every moment and uh, completely good all the time and 100% holy. And all the things we've been studying, he is good and he is beautiful and he is not on a swivel chair. And he, I mean, all the things we've been studying for the past you know, school year, um, the 23rd Psalm starts off, Lord is my shepherd, I will not fear. And a lot of my life, I thought that was always like, like David trying to talk himself off the ledge a little bit. Lord is my shepherd, I will not fear, I will not fear, I will not fear. And then I read a book that was like, no, that's what this is saying is because of who my shepherd is, I have nothing to fear. Because my shepherd is holy, I have nothing to fear. And so seeking the kingdom is going to require us to stay focused on who the king is. Realize that in his kingdom, um, there's nothing to be worried about, nothing to be anxious about, nothing to be afraid of. This talks addresses greatly our um, struggle to live by faith and not by sight. Because he's saying, fear not. And you're saying, back to him, yeah, but I see all these things that terrify me. And he says, well, then close your eyes. You're living by sight. You're living by circumstances and by feelings and by what ifs. Those those things don't tell you anything about me. So just look at me. Think about me. Think about who I am. And you'll realize that your circumstances aren't, aren't displaying reality for you accurately. Your feelings are lying to you about what is real and what is true. Fear not. And the fifth point ties directly to that one. is That verse says, fear Fear not, little flock, for it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The fifth one is, is the character, the character of God. The fourth one is, is don't fear, live by faith, not by sight. The fifth one is, don't forget the full character of God. This verse brings out the fact that like, it brings the Father pleasure to bring us from kingdom of the world to his kingdom. He is completely joyful. With that, and so what we've been studying in our, our community groups in the fall and in the spring greatly equips us to be able to seek the kingdom because because um, we now have explored and prayed through and discussed and just dug into more of who the king is, and so the character of God is going to be a part of seeking the kingdom because if we lose sight of that too much, we're going to be terrified of what seeking the kingdom might mean. But when we keep in mind, like, wow, he's He's holy, and so whatever he's leading me to must be the most perfect plan that he has for me. We're going to take those obedient steps. We're going to have to remember his character. Fear not, little flock, for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And the last one, look at verse 33. Sell your possessions. Give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, 
with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Last one is about a treasure being rightly placed. Seeking the kingdom is going to um, to push us into action. Okay, the examples here are about selling your possessions and giving to the needy. And for some, that's exactly what seeking the kingdom is going to look like. And to be perfectly honest, I think there are no exceptions to that. Every one of us should be giving to the needs that are in front of us. Now, how that shows up is going to be different for all of us. And some, some may, God may call you to go to some pretty great lengths to do that. And others, you know, it's going to be different. But where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Where in, the investment of your life is, that's where your heart's going to connect. So if you're investing your life in all this stuff that doesn't matter, then your heart is connecting to things that are going to break your heart. You're investing the things that have eternal significance into souls, into the, the kingdom, into the fame and the renown of the Lord. And that's where your heart's going to be. And when you die, you just step into a greater reality of where you've been. So I think, I think this, like I know I've been talking a lot, but you don't, you don't go to work tomorrow anyway, so I don't feel so bad. So um, I think this, this comes and applies kind of on two levels, all right? I think... I think there's, there's like a, a macro level and a micro level, right? In a macro level sense, I think, I think that it is crucial for every single one of us, okay, um, individually to do this. If you're a married couple, obviously this is something that you do together uh, as well. Um, is I think you come before the Lord and you say, okay, what, what does seek His kingdom look like in a, in a big picture sense, Okay. When I say macro, I'm talking like, like when conceptually for your life, what is that supposed to look like? And for some, um, that's going to mean like the Lord's going to bring you down a path that's going to, um, that's maybe going to bring you to some places. Like I feel like we will have people from our church um, that God will transplant in different parts of the world long term. Okay, not for two weeks and not for a summer, like long term. Not a, nothing against two weeks and a summer. But I, I think at some point, we're going to be commissioning families to go overseas and to go places and to do some of that stuff. I think, at, I think that there will be some of you that if you really were to get down to it and seek the kingdom, then God's going to show you a, a different trajectory for your life than you think it is right now. Um, and that could look a number of different ways. But I think we all kind of have these assumptions. And assumptions are bad. Seeking the kingdom... Like that's, that's good. So I think there are just going to be some big picture things. I think that for some, there are some, some financial differences that God's going to bring you down. For some, it's going to be about work, and some it's going to be about kids and how to raise them. And for some, it's going to be about where to live and where to send them to school. And some of that might lead you to a place that you, would, you kind of think is uncomfortable right now. It's like, well, what do you mean... It means like we're seeking the kingdom and God's telling us to live in a place we don't really want to live and to send our kids to school somewhere. We don't really want to send them to school. So what? If you're seeking the kingdom, then all, all we want for each other is to live a life of, of trust and obedience. 
So if that means you move to the other side of the world, I don't care if you're my best friends. I'm going to like pray for you joyfully as you go. I'll miss you, but I'll come visit because I like to travel. But I think to not assume that God wants your life to look a certain way is really, really important because there's a world full of people who are making that assumption. There's a country full of people who just assume that God wants their life to look like the American dream. And maybe when you seek the kingdom, it does look a lot like that. Because, like, I don't know. I've told you the story about when we were in New York and we had the, we were working at the homeless, uh, like, homeless mission there. And they had this dinner with all the, like, rich benefactors and stuff. And how there's these two rooms that were, like, on two extremes, like, economically and socially and stuff. And, and how one room just made me sick, and the other room I just wanted like, to hang out there forever, you know? And, and how the director, I was like, I was like kind of made a, a joke about you know, the rooms being so different or whatever. And he's like, well, he said, you have to remember that the Lord's working in both rooms. Okay. The Lord's working in both rooms. So I was on a trip this week. One of the guys that went with us is, turns out to be a Texas oil millionaire. I did not know that. Is a Texas oil millionaire who um, is has done uh, like, and this is not this is three million three million decisions for Christ in the ministry that he runs in parts of Africa. Three million, and that's not just like people that filled out a card. It's people that came to they, they show the Jesus film. They show it if the people if when they leave if they make the journey back and want to be a part of a church, they count them. Three million people have done that. So this guy's making all the money that he can so that he can fund ministries around the world. But also, he goes to these dinners with, um, with uh, like he knows George Bush, and he knows, uh, uh, what's the guy's name? This guy, Warren Buffett's son, he knows him. He just knows all these guys so not only is this dude trying to make all this money so he can funnel into all this ministry, he's connecting with these millionaires that most of us will never be able to sit down with and have dinner with. And so for him, seeking the kingdom was about making money and doing something awesome with it and being a good steward of the relationships that he makes the whole time. And so seek the kingdom is just going to look different for all of us. And we can't get into... Like the details of that and saying, well, that family is obviously not seeking the kingdom because they're living this certain way, and if they were doing this and this, this, it's like, no, that's bull. What we have to want for each other is trust and obedience. So if trust and obedience for you is moving to the country club of Louisiana and like completely be Jesus in that neighborhood, then we are all for you. If that means that you move to like a different part of town and you live in a place that's, that's just more difficult for you and the Lord stretches you and you bless that neighborhood, then bless it. It doesn't really matter. As long as you're trusting, as long as you're being obedient. So macro, big, big picture stuff, big life things where you see your life going. And then on the micro level, I think it's, it's tonight. You know? it's how to, what does Seek the Kingdom look like tonight when we leave this place? And maybe you go eat somewhere, maybe you like go home and eat, maybe you don't eat because you're fasting, seeking the kingdom. <laughs> Just a thought. Uh, but wherever you go from here, seeking the kingdom looks a certain way there. 
And so maybe it's like being super kind to your like waiter or waitress and tipping them well and not treating them like dirt, you know. Um, maybe maybe it's about you know going home and like maybe shooting out some emails to people you hadn't seen in a while, encouraging them or whatever. I, it doesn't. I don't know. Tonight, seek the kingdom looks a certain way. Tomorrow, seek the kingdom looks a certain way. Tomorrow afternoon, seek the kingdom looks a certain way. So I think there's there's this big picture. Seek the kingdom for my life, and then there's that daily, every single day, every single day, every single day. We have to stop wasting so much of ourselves on things that don't matter. It's about souls. It's about letting God care for us. It's about His, His character. It's about us choosing, choosing the kingdom over other stuff. It's about resting in the fact we don't have anything to be afraid of because He's so good to us. Say, my treasures are going to go. They're going to go with my Lord. Always. I don't know where this, where this connects with you. Uh, that's between you and Him. Um, but like, like we do every week, like I, just, I like sitting in, in these ideas and stuff for a little bit. Um, so like I said before, I, I think, I think it, it's like covering up dirt on top of a seed that's been planted. And the, the, bird, the birds can't get to it and take it away. And we have, we have forces against us that want anything that God's done. They want to rip it out and give us every reason to, to throw out whatever he's starting us tonight. So I think the songs, I think singing, I think responding just kind of covers that up a little bit. So um, let's pray. The band's going to come up. And um, we're just going to settle in just for a minute. Uh, Lord, I thank you for, um, for your, your great patience with me and w- with all of us. Because um, these are not radically new things for us, you know. Um, maybe some of us, maybe people here for the first time maybe, but for a lot of us who've, who've been a part of this faith family for a while, this, this isn't radically new. But the thing is, we're, we're progressing, we're growing. And so when we hear this stuff, it, it always hits us a little differently. So our desire, you know our, our desire is to seek you. To seek your kingdom, to really sit down and say, what does this look like? And then just to listen and let you show us. And so we just, we just want to, we want to trust and obey tonight. So I pray that you would just that you would would cover up the the truths that you've planted tonight. That you would just pack that in really good. And you're the one that makes that grow. And just help us to just to be willing to be trusting. When you know this, this all comes down to like to what what really is important in life to us. And none of this stuff is gonna. It's not gonna move us to obedience and trust if if the value that we place on the king and the kingdom are not there. And so if, if that's what's missing for us, pray that you would just ignite in us tonight.
We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, let's stand up. We're just we're going to sing right away. Um, let me just en- encourage you, just, just sing, okay? Just let the, the truth of these songs just kind of sift over us or whatever.